Hello there, let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you for what you're about to do. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the power that's in your word. We open our hearts to you, Lord. May this message change our lives. May we go to our next level as a result of receiving and doing this word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello there. It's such a privilege, such an honor to be preaching the word to you today. And as I promised last week, today we're going to be dealing with the whole issue of overcoming procrastination. You see, we're talking about placing a premium, putting a premium on getting things done. And in order for us to get things done, we have to overcome this disease of procrastination. And I'm going to show you this morning how a scripture literally unpacks this whole issue of procrastination. Many organizations today are failing, not because of poor strategies. We often blame the strategy. We say the strategy is terrible. No, it's, the, it's often the execution of the particular strategy that, um, that is the problem. So I want to encourage you. How do you create a culture of execution? How do you embed execution and implementation? Uh, into your family, into your business, into your church, and into your life as an individual. One of the key things to do is to overcome procrastination. In Proverbs 3 verses 27 to 28, it says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. And you see, this is the principle. You're more powerful than you think. You're more powerful than you think. That's what I like about this scripture. It says, when it is in your power to act. And as long as I think that I don't have the power to act, I won't do it. As long as I think that I don't have the power today to do it, then I won't do it. But the Bible says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. How much good is in you? How much, how, how, how much uh, have you got in terms of resources? How much have you got in terms of your intellect? How much have you got in terms of your spirituality that can be imparted to someone today? What message do you have that can be given to people today? It says, when it is in your power to act. And you see, the strategy of the enemy is to make us think we don't have power, to make us feel powerless. And then we end up not executing. We end up procrastinating. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. That's a command from scripture. That's a command from scripture. So you are more powerful than you think. You have the power to act. You have willpower from heaven. One of the things God gives us when he restores our personalities, when he restores us in Christ Jesus, he restores us in the realm of our will. That's one of the things he does. You see, so you have kingdom resources. You have a will that can be aligned to the will of God in order to do. You are powerful. Say to the person next to you, I am powerful because you are powerful. All right. So let me start off with, uh, with some definitions. What is procrastination? What is procrastination? Let's just unpack that a little bit. What is procrastination? I like this definition of procrastination. This is one of the ones I, I like to use. Procrastination is the action of delaying or postponing something that must be done often because it is perceived to be unpleasant, boring or overwhelming. And you know, there's a long list of things there why we procrastinate. Okay, so perception is the key factor here. 
Okay, often the mountain looks and feels bigger and more overwhelming than it really is. Have you noticed that? But the moment you start doing it, you realize, oh, it's over. I've done it. Okay, but before doing the particular activity, what happens? It's just this big mountain that's in your way. So watch out in terms of your perception of that particular activity. I like Joseph Ferrari's uh, definition of, of, of procrastination. Procrastination is the habitual or intentional delay of starting or finishing a task despite knowing it might have negative consequences. So very often when we procrastinate, we know we shouldn't be procrastinating. We know that the thing is important. We are aware of the fact that if we delay this thing, uh, things might become a, a bit of a disaster, all right? But we still do it. And um, what I like about this definition, it talks about habitually or intentionally. You know, sometimes we intentionally delay certain things. Um, it's also the act of replacing high priority actions with tasks of lower priority or doing something from which one derives enjoyment and thus putting off important tasks to a later time. And very often those important tasks are boring tasks and we put them off. Have you noticed that whenever you procrastinate, it's not like you're sitting still doing nothing, all right? Often when you procrastinate, you're doing second things first. You're doing something that you enjoy or something that's a nice to do instead of the thing that's most important to do. In the next couple of weeks, I'll be talking about managing priorities. And this is so important because very often the good is the enemy of the great. Okay, Procrastination is also to voluntarily delay a course of action despite expecting to be worse off for the delay. So why do we do it? Why do we procrastinate when we know that there are consequences? Okay, This is what we'll be unpacking today. I like the etymology, just studying the etymology of certain words, the origin of certain words. So the word uh, procrastinate, it comes from a Latin word, uh, procrastinare, which means um, to, to put forward something. Okay, that's where we get pro from. Okay, that's forward. And then crastinas, which is till the next day. It comes from crust, which means tomorrow. Okay, so it's basically pushing forward something to tomorrow. All right. And um, there's a lot of deception around this, which I'm going to unpack in a short while. Let's have a look at Luke. Let's look in Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read from verses 57 to 62. You see, we can talk about procrastination of certain activities or certain actions. But one of the big things people procrastinate, it's their relationship with God. It's becoming a radical believer in Jesus Christ. So let's have a look at this. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. It says here, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Okay. Jesus replied, foxes have dens. Some translations say holes. And birds have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. And he said this to many of you, hasn't he? Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now let me just say something here. This is not talking about, oh, my father's just died. There's a funeral. I need to go to the funeral and I'll be back in a few minutes. Okay, I'll be back tomorrow. When, when the term here, let me first go and bury my father. It's basically my father is now of that age where he might die soon. So I want to be around him. 
I don't want to miss out on my inheritance. It's that type of thing, okay? My parents are aging. I want to be with them, all right? Um, that's the interpretation of the scripture that, um, that resonates with me. So it's interesting when you look at this because um, a lot of people are like this. They're not following Jesus because of uh, so-called noble things that they need to do for their family. And G Jesus says something so powerful. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What is he talking about? Do not procrastinate becoming a radical Christian. There's some of you uh, young people, for example, listening to me today, and you've been saying to yourself, I'll only become radical when I settle down with my family. But right now I want to enjoy my youth. You know, you can enjoy your youth while you're being a radical Christian, can't you? All right. Um, there, there's some of you who are saying, let me first establish my business. And then once I'm set and once I'm settled, then I will do this Christian stuff. And Jesus is saying, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And one of the insights I believe Jesus had here is that very often when people say, I will follow Jesus later in life, I will do it later, they end up never doing so. And, and that's the deception um, around procrastination. We delude ourselves into thinking we will do it. But I'm telling you right now, a lot of people on their deathbed, one of their biggest regrets is, I didn't make a decision to do it. All I did was I put it off, I put it off, but I never actually ended up doing it, okay? Have you noticed that it's easier to say, I'll do it later, than for you to say, I don't think I'll ever do it. Think of those things that you're procrastinating right now. Here's the reality. You might never do it. You might never do them. You might never write that song. You might never write that book. You might never do your PhD. Whatever thing you're pushing forward, you might actually not end up doing it. And that's so important uh, for people to understand, you see. So one of the biggest deceptions today is thinking that delaying something has no consequences. We get into a false sense of comfort that makes us think we are not really saying no. We're just delaying it, you know. De delay is the deadliest form of denial, okay. That's what uh, C. Northcote Parkinson said. Delay is the deadliest form of denial, all right. Um, and we need to look at this and take, and take it very, very seriously. If you wait until next year, the need might not be there. And God might have chosen someone else to do it anyway, right? Maybe there's a need out there that needs to be met. And God is prompting you in your heart. And he's saying, do it, do it, meet that need, right? And you delay and you delay. And he just uses someone else. What a lot of people don't understand is that we often procrastinate until the thing becomes irrelevant. A lot of people don't understand the fact that a lot of times when God calls us to do a particular thing, that thing is time sensitive. And we need to be sensitive to the Spirit concerning these things. Some of the things God has called you to do are time sensitive. Look at Esther, Esther 4 verse 14. It says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Why? Because God has a purpose and he can use many people, right? But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. 
Ask yourself, what has God called me to do in this life? And how does it translate to this year? And how does that translate to this month? You see, life is lived in moments. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Life is lived in moments. And people who accomplish greatness in their lives, they've mastered the art of translating their broad vision, their broad life vision, into a daily routine, into moments. And they know how to manage those moments. And they don't procrastinate when it comes to those particular moments, you see. So this is particularly sad when it comes to delaying your purpose and calling to follow Jesus. I just want to, I just want to unpack this a little bit. You see, um, the, the passage that we've uh, read uh, earlier on, right, shows us that procrastination of this kind can disqualify you from the race. Because Jesus himself says, you know what, you are not worthy of being my disciple if you keep looking back. It literally can disqualify you and God can use someone else. You know, we often say concerning children when we're disciplining them that delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. Okay, if you if your child is walking across the road and you see a car and they're about to be run over by a car and you say, Jaden, or you say, Daniel, right? You want them to have learned your voice and to know how to obey your voice and respond very quickly, because if they don't get out of that road, guess what happens? they will be run over. So delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. Okay, I want to say this. This message that I'm preaching today is not for everyone. This message is for those of you who want to become more productive. Okay, If you're in your life and you're saying, I want to be more productive as a person, then this message is for you. Okay, I also want to make another qualification. I want to make another qualification. One of the things Adam Grant, Professor Adam Grant, has said is that procrastination is a vice when it comes to productivity. But moderate procrastination is a virtue when it comes to creativity, right? And that's why sometimes if you're a creative person, you kind of start a painting or you uh, start a talk and writing it out or a novel, whatever the case may be, and you find yourself leaving it for a while. And then sometimes last minute before it goes into production, you have a new thought, you have a new idea, and ideas start coming. And if you had been a precrastinator, okay, that's P-R-E, there's a word for that, pre, um, that's someone who likes to do things well in advance and you've got, you do things three months before the deadline, the downside of that is it might affect your creativity. Okay, because there are times when creative, when, when, when uh, procrastination can be thinking time when it comes to creative people. Right. If you look at someone like Martin Luther King Jr., I learned recently that um, he actually put that phrase in. I have a dream last minute, last minute. And that changed the world, didn't it? That powerful speech of his. It wasn't part of his original script. But last minute before he spoke, he came up with it almost spontaneously. So here's the thing. When I'm preaching this message, I'm specifically talking about being productive as a person. I'm not saying to you, oh, you know what? You must uh, submit your thesis four months before the due date. That's precrastination. And sometimes it can cause you a lot of stress and tension. I'm not saying to you, to you, as soon as you get an email, you must respond straight away. Because that's not the most efficient way of living your life. Um, some of you have heard some of my messages on time management. It's good to chunk your time and to actually say, this is my time for responding to emails. And you might have three times a day where you do that or four times a day. But if you're that kind of person who are like, oh, so-and-so said this, let me respond straight away. Oh, so-and-so said, that's not what I'm talking about right now. Okay, because that's not always the best use of your time. 
And I'm trusting that we understand that. The important principle is that the fear of not trying needs to be bigger than the fear of failing. And people who accomplish greatness sometimes have the fear of not trying. They've got the fear of not trying. You see, some people are procrastinators in some aspects of their lives and they're procrastinators in other aspects of their lives. So this message is not trying to encourage procrastination. All right. And let me just define that properly. Procrastination is the tendency to work on tasks and activities at the earliest opportunity. This is not always the most efficient way of operating and can cause unnecessary stress. So our goal here is to do things at the right time, efficiently and effectively without unnecessary delays. Okay. Now, many people struggle with procrastination, but few people have really dissected it or even categorized it. For example, do you know in what aspects of your life you tend to procrastinate? Have you defined yourself only based on those areas of your life? So you say, I'm a procrastinator, I'm a procrastinator, but there are other areas of your life where you're not procrastinating. Surely you can see what are the ingredients of those aspects of my life where I'm action-orientated, where I have a bias toward action, and you translate those ingredients into all aspects of your life. Are there areas of your life where you have already developed a bias toward action? What are the ingredients of those action-orientated aspects of your life? You see, the thing is, try to understand yourself. Try to understand yourself. For example, when I wrote my first marriage book, called conversing. I knew that I'm not the kind of person who will just sit down and just write it. So what I did was, and I think it was just the wisdom of God at the time, we had just done a marriage retreat, okay? This was mid, this was in about 2015 or so. We had just done a marriage retreat. It was really powerful. And at the end of the marriage retreat, I said, guys, my plan is to write a marriage book. But what I'm going to do is, my commitment to you is I'm going to send you a chapter each week, a chapter each week, all right? Why did I say that? I knew that I like to be reliable. I don't like to let people down. I was self-aware enough to know that about myself. And I knew that if I made a public commitment to the people, some of you listening were there at that retreat, uh, to the people who were at that particular retreat, I knew that I would do it. And, and after a few months, the book came out. All right. So try to understand yourself and say, what moves me? What helps me to get things done? I'm telling you right now, we need to place a premium on getting things done. And one of the key things to do is to overcome procrastination. And one of the ways you do so is just understanding yourself. Why, what makes me move? What makes me do certain things? Why is it that I delay on other things, but I do other things? Okay, key question to ask yourself. Um, how does my procrastinating affect those around me? This is a very important question. You see, when I understand that if someone is frustrated by my procrastination, if someone is hurt by my procrastination, if someone feels dishonored because of my delays, you know, that, that means there are consequences to my procrastination. You see, a lot of people don't understand that. But when you grasp that, it can motivate you to change. So we need to see the consequences of our procrastination. Another key question to ask yourselves and maybe to have a discussion around this is, how do I feel when people procrastinate on things that concern me? How do you feel when other people put off certain things that you feel need to be done now? Okay, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. All right. 
you see, and that's practicing empathy around procrastination. Now, here's what I've noticed. A lot of people's lives are externally referenced. What do I mean? They're externally referenced. So they only do things when there's external pressure. This is sometimes described as a pressure-prompted person. Are you a pressure-prompted person? You know those people who say, oh, I do well when, uh, when I'm under pressure. That's when I really perform. And uh, you know, often people say that when they're not in that moment. Because when you're in that moment, you, you experience stress, uh, you have fallouts with people around you, you go through quite a lot of anxiety, and sometimes we forget that, okay? So these are people who do activities just to save face. These are pressure-prompted people, okay? Um, so eh, it's going to look embarrassing if I don't perform, so let me now do it, all right? Uh, they only go to the gym so that they don't let down the instructor. You know what I'm talking about, right? You can't motivate yourself to go to the gym by yourself, just going by yourself. You know, there have to be other people there who you've made a commitment to. Um, you know those people who only study when there's an exam that they've paid for and it's linked to a formal course. They can't just get a book out and say, let me read this because I need to develop myself. All right. They only watch what they eat when the doctor tells them you've only got um, you've got six months left to live unless you change your lifestyle, unless you change your eating habits. Then they're prompted and they're motivated. Now, um, one of the things this is, this is an important point I want to make. One of the things that can give you healthy motivation is when you focus on the real reason you want to do something. What were your original goals? Why are you doing this? Okay, focus on these and you'll find yourself being more authentic in doing what you need to do on time. You see, other people's goals for you are not really goals. They're obligations. They're obligations. I feel obligated to do this. No, it's because of someone else's goal. But do things because you have goals that are aligned to your values. You see, God wants us to have wills that are strongly aligned to his will. Look at Philippians 2. I'm going to read from the Berean Study Bible, and I'm going to read verses 12 to 13. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, you see, you're not externally referenced, right? Not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act on behalf of his good purpose. When it comes to having a bias toward action, when it comes to overcoming procrastination, it is so important to have a restored will. And it is God who is working in you and in me to will and to act on behalf of his good purpose. I want my will to be aligned with God's good purpose. right? And he strengthens me that way so I can do what I need to do. Now, um, let me give you some examples of areas of procrastination uh, in our lives. And you can reflect on this and maybe even have a discussion afterwards to say, oh, these are the things that I tend to do um, when it comes to procrastination. Sometimes it's delaying your purpose and calling to radical faith, which we've spoken about. Sometimes it's delaying your wake-up time. You know, one of the things about healthy people, you'll find that they've got different habits to unhealthy people. A lot of times you'll find that healthy people, the moment the alarm clock goes off, they already know what they're going to be doing in that first hour of their day. Okay, uh, it might be exercise, it might be their devotions, whatever the case may be, but they will wake up as soon as the alarm clock goes off. 
Very often unhealthy people will press the snooze button and then keep pressing the snooze button and so on. Okay, so it's delaying your wake up time, delaying making a decision. All right. And sometimes when we do that, we're basically delaying the inevitable. Is that you? When you keep putting off certain decisions and then you end up making the decision anyway. So why didn't you make it earlier? Delaying a social visit. Yeah, we'll see you sometime. We'll see you guys. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see you. I will see you. And the whole year goes by and you haven't seen them. Okay. And very often that happens is, uh, happens because we didn't want to pencil it in. We didn't want to schedule it. And we'll talk about that in a while. All right. Uh, delaying your exercise or your training. Ah, no, I'll do it later on mid-morning. No, no, I'll do it in the evening when it's cooler. Evening comes and you want to watch that TV program. I'll do it tomorrow. It's fine. Okay. Delaying a specific chore. <laughs> you can think of many examples there, can't you? All right. Not giving someone a gift because you haven't got perfect wrapping. You know that whole thing where it's like, oh, no, I want to present it properly. It has to be done properly, especially those of you who are perfectionists. And you end up not actually giving someone a particular gift because the packaging wasn't right. Okay. Not giving money because you think it is too little for now. You know, I, I want to bless this person with it. Hey, but no, no, I need to wait until it's built up a bit more and then I'll give them. Well, what if the need disappears? Delaying making payments. That's another biggie. All right. You've got the money. You can make the payment, but you just don't like that feeling of, oh, look where my bank balance now is. And you delay the payment. Delaying sending out invoices. Those of you who are in business, you know, a lot of small businesses are failing today, not because of sales. They've got sales. Not because of marketing, they've marketed their product. They're failing today because of cash flow issues. And often those cash flow issues come through because they procrastinate when it comes to sending out invoices. You know it takes long for certain companies to pay you, you know. So the, the sooner you send out the invoice, the better, all right. Uh, delaying an apology or a difficult conversation. Ah, oh, no, I don't want to confront him now. No, we don't want to talk about it now. We'll spoil the weekend. So you don't have certain conversations on Fridays. And then Monday comes. Ah, oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, Paul, no, I didn't have the conversation. He seems quite stressed out. Three months go by and now the issue is irrelevant. Or when you do decide to bring it up, the person has forgotten about the issue. They've forgotten. Well, what are you talking about? All right. So uh, we tend to procrastinate in all these areas. Uh, difficult conversations, apologies, uh, delaying responding to an email or a WhatsApp. And then by the time you respond, the person thinks like, you know what, I'm actually fifth on your list anyway. You know, um, you were caught up in your other things, right? Uh, delaying an act of hospitality. It might be inviting someone over, uh, whatever it may be. Why do we do these things? Reflect on your life and ask yourself, in what areas of my life do I procrastinate? Try to categorize your answers and you might actually end up seeing a pattern. Is it in acts of service? When it comes to an act of service, you tend to procrastinate. Is it in gift giving? Is it in self-development? When it comes to just working on yourself, all right, where you don't prioritize appointments that you have with yourself. Is it to do with self-care? Oh, I've been needing to go for a haircut for some time. Oh, my, I need my nails to be done for that. Oh, I need a pedicure. Oh, I need... A, but you, you delay things when it comes to your self-care. But when it comes to other people, it's fine. You're quick, all right? And sometimes when you go deep into that, there's self-esteem issues. Sometimes there's even acts, um, aspects of self-hatred that cause that. All right. When it comes to leisure and recreational activities, are you that person who's always 
delaying. Think about that for some time. You see, if you procrastinate when it comes to self-care, perhaps there are deeper issues. Maybe it's self-hatred. Maybe it's low self-esteem. If you procrastinate when it comes to difficult conversations, maybe your deeper issue is fear of man and perceived rejection. I don't know what the issue is for you, but it's so important to avoid procrastination in those situations. Let's talk a little bit about why people procrastinate. I've always said this, that when you understand how a behavior was learned, it becomes easier for you to unlearn it. The reality is that babies do not procrastinate. In fact, little kids, they want it and they want it now. Let's do it now, okay? They don't understand long-term planning and that kind of thing, right? So it's a habit that was learned at some point, procrastination. So people tend to procrastinate for the following reasons. And I'd like you to just reflect on yourself and ask yourself, is this me? Sometimes we procrastinate because of inner vows that we've made. Inner vows that we've made. What do I mean by inner vows? You know, there's an old friend of ours uh, who once shared with me a particular story about inner vows uh, he had particularly made concerning a certain uh, group, a certain ethnic group. And he had said to himself, I, will, I won't do business with those people. You know, I don't trust them. And now he was in a situation where he was trying to sell his house and he was avoiding someone from that particular ethnic group, avoiding, avoiding. But then he gave the person a chance and the person managed to sell his house, etc. And he shares this story, just giving it as an example of how he had prejudice in his heart. And the prejudice resulted in him procrastinating doing business with a particular people group. Why? Because of an inner vow he had made where he had said, I will never do business with these people. Right? Are there inner vows that you've made that cause you to delay certain activities because of the inner vow that you've made? Just think about it. You know, there's some people who've said like, I don't need a man in my life. I'm never going to get married. They made that inner vow. And when Mr. Right comes along, it takes a long time for the person to actually buy into the idea because of the words that they've declared. Sometimes we procrastinate because of resentment. You know, your boss asks you to do a particular thing and you drag your feet. You go on a personal go slow. And why do you do so? You go on a personal go slow because your mindset is, well, you know what? When I asked them to do X, Y, Z for me in the past, they took their time. So I'm also going to take my time. When I wanted that promotion, I didn't get it. Now, why should I rush to do A, B, C, D for them? Guard your heart and make sure your heart is clean and that you forgive the people around you. Because if you don't, you'll find yourself, because of resentment, procrastinating when they ask you to do things. Sometimes we procrastinate because of fear, because we're actually afraid and we delay doing a particular thing because of this fear. And remember, fear is often false evidence appearing real. So it's not actually based on truth very often. So put the truth of the word of God into your heart and be bold and be full of courage to do a particular thing. One of the quickest ways to overcome fear is to actually face your fears. So that big mountain of a task that you're avoiding because of fear, face it. Face it and do it. Tackle it head on. You can do it. Sometimes we procrastinate because we actually disagree with the direction the team is moving in. We actually disagree with what we've been asked to do. Have you noticed that? And you ask someone, how come you haven't done it? And you realize after asking them more than two questions deep that they were hoping the thing would just disappear. You know, if they just don't do anything. 
And then afterwards they say to you, well, I actually had some different thoughts. And you say, why didn't you actually bring this up? Instead of confronting the situation, you're just delaying it. Some people procrastinate because of perfectionism. A lot of perfectionists are waiting for the perfect team, the perfect environment, the perfect time. And what we say to, per to perfectionists is, just get started anyway. You can always refine later. Get started anyway. You can always refine later. A lot of times we procrastinate because of alternative low priority activities. And there's so many of these, okay? For example, there's some people who, uh, they're supposed to be doing something. And it's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm rearranging my sock drawer, okay? Uh, or I'm baking cupcakes uh, for my puppies, right? Uh, I can come to your house and I can say, hey, you're supposed to be studying for your uh, big a MBA exam or whatever you're doing. And there you are. Uh, cleaning your kitchen. Now, cleaning your kitchen is not a bad thing, but the problem is you've been doing it for two hours, you know, shining and reshining uh, those pots, right? Um, so this is something to think about. What do I tend to run to do, right, when I'm actually supposed to be doing that main thing? It's important to keep the main thing the main thing. Sometimes we procrastinate because of fatigue. We just feel so tired, and uh, we literally don't have the energy to do the particular thing. And this is where you have to be honest with yourself to actually say, I'm feeling really exhausted. Let me actually do it tomorrow, but I'm committing to do it tomorrow, okay? Um, and tomorrow needs to be tomorrow, not the next day, right? Um, sometimes it's because we're avoiding a difficult conversation, all right? And that's linked to that thing of disagreement. We're avoiding a difficult conversation, um, so we end up procrastinating. Sometimes we procrastinate because of passivity, passivity, you know, that externally referenced life I was talking about, okay? And so we're so passive that we don't actually get up with a restored will aligned to God's will to actually say, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to push through. Sometimes we procrastinate because of debilitating rules that we've created for ourselves. For example, we've got certain misbeliefs and debilitating rules like this. If God is in it, and if, if this is God, then there won't be any obstacles. Have you noticed that? However, I know that often when it's God in something, there's actually more resistance from the enemy. So we experience these obstacles and what do we end up doing? Ah, oh, you know what? I, I, I don't think I'll finish this thing, you know? Or we wait for some time. I know I'm sometimes like that, okay? When an obstacle comes my way, I'm thinking to myself, well, I did get started. It's not my fault that it hasn't worked out, but there's this obstacle, and it might take me two weeks to recover from that obstacle and try again, okay? Um, so I tend to procrastinate when I feel like I'm swimming upstream concerning certain things. But you know what? I'm learning that sometimes things only work out on the 10th try. You know, and some of the principles that have helped me with this is never accept no for an answer. You push through. So another principle is pre-decide that you will try at least 10 times before reconsidering. So when you experience rejection, you bounce back immediately and you push through as opposed to, oh, it didn't work out and only trying again after two months. Okay. I want to encourage you because you see many of us, we don't procrastinate when it comes to starting something but we procrastinate when it comes to finishing something because of the obstacles that we are facing. Now, many times we are good at starting, but then we procrastinate when they are obstacles. And some of the terms we will use, we'll say things like, they didn't get back to me. Yes, no, I phoned them, but they just didn't get back to me. Oh yeah, you know, they want another document, but I don't have it. Then we're stuck in inactivity, all right? 
oh yeah, their system shut down. So they said, I must try again, uh, maybe tomorrow. But we only phoned them in two weeks' time. Oh yeah, they rejected our first offer. Well, why don't we try again? You see, many people get started, but few people complete a particular task, activity, whatever they're trying to do. We're deceived into thinking we have done something just because we have started it. Just because you've started something doesn't mean you've done it. You see, completion is key. Completion is key. There are many people who think they're in business because they've registered companies. And I don't want to discourage you, all right? Because some of you say, yes, pastor, I've registered the company. You know, some of you say, I've got five companies I've registered. But you now need to push through to the next phase because registering a company doesn't mean that you're in business. All right? It's a good start, though. Now, people who have overcome procrastination have a bias toward action. They're action-orientated people. I'm not talking about impatient people. I'm not talking about people who never plan. I'm talking about people with a bias toward action. People who are executors. People who are implementers. People who know how to make things happen. And I want to share with you some characteristics of action-orientated people. All right? But I want to do it from a godly perspective. The first thing is that action-orientated people get started now and then refine later. They don't try and refine everything from the get-go. In Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4, the Bible says, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. You see, action-oriented people understand that delaying the start might result in never doing it. And you know, this verse is typically what perfectionists go through. I'm just watching the wind. You will never plant. You'll never plant. And there are consequences to that. There are consequences. Okay? The second thing I want to share with you is that action-oriented people understand that delay can have negative consequences. If you look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, it says, Sluggards do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look, but they find nothing. That's the consequence of not planting timelessly. Now, I don't know what your situation is and what kind of business you're in, but if you don't get started at the right time, if you don't go to market at the right time, guess what? You might never see a harvest. Don't blame God. Don't blame your pastor. Don't blame your friends. Don't say, my brother bewitched me. No, it's because you didn't go to market at the right time. You didn't plow in season. So at harvest time, there are consequences. You see, here's the principle. People that procrastinate tend to minimize the negative consequences of delay. Have you noticed that? We often procrastinate when we have minimized the significance of the timeliest completion of an action. In other words, we deceive ourselves into thinking the timing is unimportant. You know, if I wake up late, it won't make a difference, right? One of the things that motivates me to get out of bed, you can ask my wife, is I'll say to her, you know what, my love, I need to actually have my prayer time now because I know that if I don't have it now, it'll be tricky later on in the day because there'll be different demands placed on me. So I know the consequences of not doing certain things earlier on in the day. I know the consequences and motivates me to do the particular thing. All right. Um, <clears throat> so let's not have that thing where we minimize the significance of timeless completion of a particular action. You see, we procrastinate when we downplay the opportunity cost of delayed execution of a task. Have you noticed that? So here's the thing. Give yourself a deadline 
based on a principle or a value. For example, I need to do the dishes before going to bed or else they might attract cockroaches. All right. So you're, you're actually aware of the consequences of not doing the dishes. All right. So this principle heightens the consequences of delayed action. Right. Uh, I need to discipline my son today on this matter or else uh, if I try to do so tomorrow, the impact will be less. Okay, so I need to do it now. I mustn't delay. Or uh, I need to bless that friend of mine with a gift today. If I wait until next week, they might not need it as much. The opportunity has passed me by. This is so, so important. Do not minimize the significance of timeless completion of an action because procrastination has consequences. The third principle I want to share with you is that action-orientated people chunk their time. And those of you who've listened to my material or watched my material on managing your time, this is so important and you'll be familiar with this whole concept of chunking, okay? So we begin to overcome procrastination when we allocate time slots to specific actions and then we commit to them. We allocate time slots to specific actions and then we commit to those particular time slots. Even if it's recreation, where you say to yourself, okay, this Saturday, you know, from eight to 9.30, that's my exercise time, right? I like, I like chunking time into maybe 90 minute slots. You know, if I'm doing a long run, okay, 90 minutes or two hours, right? Uh, oh, then I have my devotion period oh, for a certain period. Then I have this, then I have that. And then, oh, I'm watching soccer with the kids. Oh, I'm playing soccer with the kids. Your time is chunked and you commit to that allocation of time. You see, chunking your time means that you allocate specific activities into specific time slots. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't do that, you tend to procrastinate. Try to avoid saying things like, okay, I'll do it later on this week. You know, commit to, you know, rather say, I'll do it on Thursday morning after I've dropped off the kids at school on my way to such and such. That's when I'll do it. Give it a slot and commit to that particular slot. Then you know you will do it. You see, we often struggle to find things. Have you noticed that? We often struggle to find things when they don't have a place. And I always say to my kids, I say to my family, everything must have its place. The reason you're looking for this and looking for that is you don't have a place for it. There must not be a temporary landing spot for anything. If you ask my family, they'll tell you, I never struggle to find my keys. You never hear me saying, where are my keys? Has anyone seen my keys? Why? There's no temporary landing spot for my car keys. Okay. Uh, and there's a place for them. So I always find them in that particular place unless they've dropped or something. All right. Um, so that's important when it comes to things. But you know that it's also important when it comes to tasks and activities. You see, if your mindset is I want to become a productive person, then have a time slot, have a place for the things that are important to you. They must be in your timetable. They must be in your schedule. Otherwise, they probably won't happen. Okay. So we already do this with some things. So expand this thinking into areas of your life where you tend to procrastinate. Okay. What are those things that you do and you, you, you do them and you're very active about it because you've scheduled it, right? Translate that to other areas of your life. Um, and the principle is here in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one to eight. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, 
A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to, to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Now, a key statement is in the opening uh, verse. There is a time for everything. This is so key if you want to overcome procrastination. There's a time for everything. Allocate your activities into a specific time slot. There is your breakthrough. And a season for every activity under the heavens. What is the right time to do a particular thing? Often people fail in life because they're doing the right things, but they're doing them at the wrong time. Have you noticed that? Okay. Now, some of the phrases that we tend to use that fuel our procrastination when we refuse to allocate activities into a time slot are phrases like this. Yeah, let's just play it by ear. The moment you hear someone saying that, it's probably not going to happen. Or, okay, we'll see. Okay, as it happens. Okay, I'll do it later this week. Later this week, why don't you commit to a specific time slot? Proverbs 24, verse 30 to 34 says, I went past the field of a sluggard, okay, a lazy person basically, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. You know what the scary thing about this passage is? It doesn't say a lot of sleep. It just says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. It's basically talking about a little bit of laziness, a little bit of that I'll do it tomorrow attitude, a little bit of that passivity. And I'm going to do a whole message on overcoming passivity. Okay. And what happens? Scarcity comes upon you like an armed man. And here's the thing. A lot of people who are like this tend to blame other people. So this person was sleeping when it was time for working. Sadly, many people in these situations will not acknowledge that it was because of their procrastination. They'll assume it's because of some curse over their lives. You know, someone has bewitched them. Often they'll blame others for having an unfair advantage. Ah, it's those people. Ah, it's because I'm a woman. Ah, it's because I'm a man. Because I'm black. Because I'm white. Right? They do not typically take ownership of their passivity or, in some cases, laziness that is seen in their procrastination. And I just want to say this about procrastinators. A lot of people who procrastinate are not actually lazy. You know, often we, we tend to associate the two things with each other. It's not always a form of laziness because you see how hard these people work last minute, okay, when they're under pressure. Often procrastination is actually to do with passivity. It's to do with um, your will not being fully restored, where you struggle to actually say, I aim to do this today and I'll follow through and I'll do it today. You still end up doing it sometimes in a rush, working very hard. Or you've got other aspects of your life where you're a hard worker. But in these aspects, you're a voider. 
Okay, so ask yourself, what is stopping you from committing to a time slot? Is it fear? Is it disagreement? Is it because you enjoy the freedom of just keeping it open? All right, think about that. Think about that. <clears throat> Fourthly, action-orientated people understand that time is a limited resource. Time is a limited resource. In John chapter 9, verse 4, it says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? Remember, back in the day, there was no electricity. So, nighttime, there was limited, a limited amount of work that you could do at night. So, during the day, that's when you had to do a lot of your work. Okay, And he's using that analogy, talking about himself, obviously, in terms of his limited earthly ministry, where there are things he had to do in those three and a half years of ministry. Okay, But he's also talking about us. In terms of making sure we are aligned to our call, our calling in God, and we do what we need to do timelessly because there'll come a time when we actually can't do it. Now, here's the thing. If not now, when? If not me, who? You've heard that saying before, and this is so true concerning this, okay? Time is a limited resource. If you're an action-orientated person, you understand this. People with a bias towards action do what they can do now with what they have. They do what they can do now with what they have. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, the Bible says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. We won't be able to do all these things, right, when we've died, all right? We'll be doing other things. So whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. See, sometimes we like to wait for, you know, the perfect course that will train me to do it, right? Until I have that perfect knowledge, then I will do it. Until I have all those resources, then I'll do it. No, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it wholeheartedly, okay? Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 16 says, Be very careful then how you live. Now, some people are very carefree. They're not careful how they live. They're like, I just like to go with the flow, Paul. I'm just so spontaneous. So, you know, this whole time slot thing, oh, it stresses me out. No, it's because you haven't learned the habit of doing so, right? Uh, so it says here, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Some translations will talk about redeeming the time, right? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So it's using those words wise, unwise, foolish. So one of the marks of wisdom is seen, your wisdom is seen in how you use your time, in how you maximize on the time slots that you've given yourself. Okay, that word careful, because it says be very careful. Let's unpack that word careful. It literally means to see. It says see, observe. That's what it means. See, observe, be alert, discern, be watchful. All right? Be watchful concerning how you live. Observe how you live. All right? And then that, uh, that phrase, making the most of every opportunity, making the most of or redeeming, right? It, it basically means taking full advantage of, okay? It means rescuing from loss, redeeming, buying back. And this is what we need to do, right? 
with regard to our opportunities and the time that we have. And here's what I've understood, that a lot of people understand God's general will for their lives, but they're not wise because they have not translated it into his specific will for each moment of their lives. That's what I've observed. They know the general will, but they haven't translated it into each month, each week, each moment. You see, highly productive people have learned how to translate their life purpose into their weekly schedule. Someone once said, the secret to greatness is hidden in your daily routine. If you want to accomplish greatness in life, it will be seen in your daily routine. And then the fifth thing I want to talk about in terms of characteristics of action-orientated people is action-orientated people know that talk is cheap. They know that talk is cheap. In Proverbs 14, verses tw- verse 23, it says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Let me say this to you. Having a meeting about something is not the same as doing it. Let's not delude ourselves into thinking because we had a meeting about it. Yay, that's victory. We've done it. In fact, one of the reasons why a lot of strategies don't work out, long-term strategies, great strategies for organizations don't work out, is that we declare victory too soon. And what I've found is that in our individual lives, sometimes we think we are doing something because we talk a lot about it. I want to encourage each one of us to have a bias toward action. It's one of the marks of great leaders. And may God help us to overcome procrastination in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what you're stirring up in our hearts. We thank you so much, Lord God, that you're making us action-orientated people. And so we yield this to you. Father, we pray that you would restore us in the realm of the will, that we would have wills that are strongly aligned with your will. And that, Lord, we would run this race And that, Lord, firstly, we would not procrastinate concerning becoming radical Christians who are followers of Jesus. We would not procrastinate concerning this. Lord, we commit ourselves to you and we say, our days belong to you. Help us and unlock grace in our lives to redeem the time. Come and have your way, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you as you put this into practice, as you're a doer of the word. Continue to stay with us as we talk about getting things done. Amen.